Hey everyone, it's Jacqueline Melanick. Welcome to Chain Reaction, a show that unpacks and dives deep into the latest trends, drama, and news, breaking things down block by block for the crypto curious. This year, we're doing monthly series, diving into different topics and themes in crypto. And to start things off, this month, we're focusing on NFTs. I'm interviewing some of the biggest NFT players and founders about how they've weathered the booms and busts in this sector, what they're focused on, and what could be next for the industry. This week, we're sharing a conversation that I had last year in June with Jack Liu from Magic Eden. At the time, the marketplace was adding support for the Bitcoin BRC20 tokens. It was expanding its Web3 gaming suite. And in general, the NFT market was less hot, for lack of better words. At the beginning of this month, February 2024, NFT sales volume hit $1 billion for the first time since February 2023. When we recorded this episode, NFT sales volume was down around $640 million at the beginning of the month. So things were in a pretty different place. Jack and I also talked about the multi-chain expansions, and he shared some of his best advice for the NFT community. Looking back on this conversation, I think it's a great addition to the NFT series to kind of add some context for what a crazy year this has been, how much things have changed, and, you know, some things have stayed the same, especially for people building in the NFT space. I think so much of what Jack and I talk about is still top of mind, so I hope you enjoy this conversation. Today's guest is Jack Liu, co-founder and CEO of NFT marketplace Magic Eden. Prior to co-founding the company in 2021, Jack was a product manager at Google and a consultant for Boston Consulting Group. Magic Eden has quickly grown to become one of the largest NFT marketplaces with over 8,000 collections, about $3 billion in NFT transactions, and 22 million unique monthly visitors. It originally began as a Solana-based NFT trading platform, but has expanded its support to other blockchain networks like Polygon, Ethereum, and Bitcoin. Last June, Magic Eden raised $130 million in its Series B round, bringing its valuation to unicorn status at $1.6 billion. Jack also previously joined us on Chain Reaction for an episode in August of last year, but a lot has changed since then, so we're excited to have him back on. Jack, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Yeah, I'm excited to get into everything with you. But before we start talking all things NFT and about your Magic Eden marketplace, I've been asking our guests to tell me about one of the most interesting people in crypto you've met or talked to in the past 12 months. And what did you learn from them? Oh, interesting. Well, I would have to say, you know, we've been making a really big push into the Bitcoin ecosystem recently. Just met a lot of really like kind of OG founders who started off in the Bitcoin ecosystem, have either remained there or moved on to other ecosystems. One of the folks I met recently is actually like JP, founder of Exos Wallet, very, very significant wallet player. And we were just having dinner one night and he's been in the crypto game for like 10 years. So this is his like fourth bear market. And just epically chill. And, you know, it was like, you know, nothing, nothing has happened. I was kind of like, man, JP, like, how did you do it after, after 10 years? You know, like, uh, it feels like one year in crypto is worth five. So it feels mm-hmm. like you probably worked like two careers already. We're just having a, a bunch of jokes around that, just how to, you know, keep a level of mindset and all, and think long term about that in crypto. So that was a super interesting conversation. Yeah. He's been through the ringer. Yeah, that's, right. Like. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's got a little bit of white hair and I was like, JP, but you're actually like in your 20s, right? He was like, yeah, that's that's actually it. That's just what 10 years in crypto does to you. Uh, but yeah, that was a right. fun conversation. 
Right. I'm glad you brought up Bitcoin, too, because Magic Eden also recently announced this week that the BRC20 standard is now available on secondary platforms and the Bitcoin launchpad. Mm -hmm. In a sentence or two, because maybe our listeners have no idea what I'm talking about, can you explain what BRC20 is and what does this mean for traders on your platform? Yeah, absolutely. I'll try my best if we wanted two sentences. <laughs> <laughs> or a few sentences. We'll give you a little room. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Thank you. You're setting the bar really high. But yeah, like, you know, in a nutshell, I think BTC is, you know, the original blockchain. But up until very, very recently, BTC has been a very static blockchain in terms of it only serves one use case, like Bitcoin as money, right? But in the last six months, there was some very, very exciting technological breakthroughs on the BTC ecosystem. And these new, basically new technology standards that allowed other developers to now create their own either NFTs or fungible token. And BRC20s is a, is a technology standard that has taken traction on top of BTC that allowed developers to basically build their own fungible tokens on top of BTC. Yeah, we're super, super excited because, you know, for 10 years, BTC has had this like single use case. It didn't support a lot of, you know, applications on top of its environment, but now, with this new technology like BRC20s, it you know makes room for other developers like you know Magic Eden and other folks that come to the ecosystem and build on top of Bitcoin. So super, super exciting to be making this BRC20 launch. Okay, that's super exciting. And as I mentioned in the intro, the marketplace has expanded to other blockchains outside of Solana, like Polygon, Ethereum, and Bitcoin networks, what we just talked about. But can you walk us through the team's decision-making behind that and how has that been paying off and why expand beyond Solana? Yeah, absolutely. So I think this time last year when we chatted, you know, uh, we always had this vision around, hey, we need to go multi-chain. And in a sense, that makes a lot of intuitive sense, right? Like what Magic Eden is really about is trying to bring the delight and value of NFTs to all users. And we see the chains as kind of a means to an end in some ways, right? Like so there are different blockchains that can serve those use cases. Mm -hmm. And what we did over the last six months is actually effectively expand from one chain from Sol to four chains. So, you know, ETH, Polygon, and BTC. The reasoning behind that has always been uh, these other blockchains we see very, very interesting and kind of different use cases towards Sol had as well. So on Ethereum, there were very, you know, storied collections and creators with long histories in NFTs. And that's kind of where the origin of NFTs really started from the Ethereum ecosystem. And we really wanted to partner with them. On Polygon, we see a lot of creators, especially in the gaming sphere. And that's a category that we really wanted to go deep in and do a lot of partnerships in. I'm very proud to say we've had a lot of traction in the last six months. And then when BTC, this new technology called Ordinals, really, you know, became a thing in January 2021, it was like a massive like unlock of new innovation on BTC. And because there is just so much history, prestige, and of course, you know, attention on BTC, we thought, wow, this seems like so interesting that we have to make a play and, and make a bet here. So the BTC story was a little bit like, we were looking at it, we thought, yeah, there is just so much liquidity and history on BTC, but there is zero like dApps and NFTs on top of it. It would make sense that if a new technology like NFTs was unlocked on BTC that it would grow much more in size starting from zero. And then we basically held a little internal hackathon within Magic Eden and brought all the engineers together and we hacked something together and launched something within less than a month. Yeah. All right. Less than a month. That's pretty impressive. Do you think the demand is strong enough for trading there on these new blockchains that you just added? And by new, I mean like the ones you just added to Magic Eden. They're not all new in that sense. Mm -hmm. But what are you doing to get 
users onto your platform opposed to the ones they've been previously using once you've added these new blockchains? Yeah, there's a couple of things. I think number one, we, from a DNA perspective, we've always focused on just making this uh, experience simple and making the user feel the value of coming to trade and engage in commerce on NFTs on Magic Eden. So that has been our philosophy that we've taken to all of these new chains that we've taken, whether it's to Polygon, Ethereum, and also to BTC. And then the other piece is also like just working with the most exciting and the biggest creators. We have this belief from the founding of Magic Eden even to now, and we still have this high conviction that it's the creators who are you know, really innovating and bringing their ideas to life with NFTs and this new technology. And then with that kind of bring those dreams to life, they then onboard those users into the NFT ecosystem. And Magita will be there to facilitate that and be a great partner to them. So by always yeah, helping and partnering with the top creators, we are also onboarding their audience onto Magita that way. Right. So it's like a ripple effect in a way that yeah. like... When one comes, the rest will too. Yeah, yeah, a bit like that. It's interesting too, like I, I think in BTC especially, there is also a lot of cross-chain overlap. So there are a lot of Solana community members and Ethereum community members who have tried and checked out BTC. And in that way, we've been very lucky to have also met those users and those community members as well. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see how that all pans out too in the future. We're going to take a quick break before we get into the rapid fire segment. Jack, I want to move into a section that we call Rapid Fire Round, where I just ask you questions sure. and you give short responses. It could be, you're, you'll see, you'll get the hang sure. of this. You're smart. <laughs> okay. So my first question for you, Jack, is you could only buy NFTs from one blockchain for the rest of your life. Which one would it be? Oh, not trying to sound like a show, but you know we are really excited about BTC right now. So I think it would have to be BTC. Yeah, okay. there's a lot of longevity. I think in, of course, the environment and the chain, but also the collectibles that's on BTC right now have like some very special on-chain characteristics as well, which we're very excited about. Mm -hmm. All right, Bitcoin NFTs on top. <laughs> uh, which is your favorite NFT that you own? Oh, so I actually own a, an NFT from a collection called Aurori on Solana. And this uh, yeah, this has been my like day one, the day one fan of the team and of the project. Yeah, and I've never changed. Actually, it's my profile photo from like from the founder of Magita. Yeah. So it's a great team. They're building a game on Soul in a support of Soul from very, very early on. And yeah, also just love, love the art of that uh, collection as well. Okay. How many NFTs do you own? Do you know? Yeah, lost count. <laughs> lost count. Yes, <laughs> okay. Definitely lost count. Yeah. Do you think there's a chance Magic Eden would acquire another NFT marketplace? Never say never. Never say never. Don't have any immediate, uh, you have immediate plans right now, but you're always open. And I think there's many, many great teams and many, many great products. Obviously, like right now, the market is down compared to like 18 months ago. But from Magic Eden's perspective, it feels busier than ever. It just feels like there's so many cool innovations that we want to check out and explore. But we just don't have enough internal folks and resources to build and like explore all of them. So, you know, partnerships, acquisitions, we're open to all forms of that and never say never. Okay. And then talking about all things blockchains, will Magic Eden expand into other blockchains within the next 12 months? Again, never say never as well. I think right now <laughs> we're pretty... Which ones are you eyeing? So I think right now we're not eyeing any because just going from one to four in six months is like having four kids, you know, like four babies that mm -hmm. we have to love them all and nurture all of them. And yeah. right now we definitely feel like, okay, we, you know, we need to consolidate, polish up the experience on all of these different ecosystems. 
and there's a lot of work that we want to do to improve the product for our users there. So maybe as of right now, it's like kind of like always enough that we need to focus. But at the same time, there is just so much more innovation that's coming, right? There's a lot of chains, whether that's very specific to gaming. So there is a lot of these like category specific ecosystems that's popping up. And there's many, many really great chains and ecosystems that's just within that category that would make a lot of sense for us to expand into. And number two, there is like a lot of Ethereum innovations like around L2s that was recently launched, the Arbitrum, Optimism, Base, and all of that. And we're very, very fascinated about the innovations there. And then lastly, I think if this trend with BTC continues, I don't think that L1 can support all of the demand that there is for BTC. So there is a whole kind of unexplored space around BTC L2s as well. So yeah, too much choice, too much opportunity, not enough. Not enough time to explore them all, actually. All right. Fair enough. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> My last one for you, Jack, is are you worried about NFT trading volumes being down? Not really. Yeah, I have to say. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a counterintuitive thing. Look, of course, market conditions now compared to a year ago is very different, right? But mm-hmm. I would say that's pretty true for a lot of sectors in technology, not just crypto and not just NFT, right? There's you know been a rebalance in the market. But in a sense, like NFT trading, volumes go up and down, there's market volatility, that's just part and parcel of the business that we're in. And that's just something that we have to you know, manage to play in this industry. But our mission has always been more about focusing on the long term, right? So mm-hmm. how can we onboard more users, show them the value of NFTs by focusing on a simple, delightful product, showing the utility of this new technology. So we're, we're lucky enough to have the runway to really uh, plan for that long term and yeah, not worry too much about the short-term volatilities here. Okay. That's actually something I did want to talk about because like, obviously we had the NFT craze in 2021, early 2022-ish. Market was going pretty wild, I guess. For context, I wrote down some of the numbers, but the total NFT sales had an all-time high in January 2022, around $5.9 billion. And in the current month, it's about half a billion, $451 million. That's like crypto slam data, mm-hmm. if anyone wants to go look that up. And then it's also down from more recent highs of about $1.1 billion in February. And it's like important to note, this is across all marketplaces, all blockchains, etc. It's not just Magic Eden, mm-hmm. but like the whole NFT ecosystem. So kind of building off what we were just talking about, my question here is how does Magic Eden's strategy account for, you know, lower sales volume? And what are you doing to mitigate that risk in that long-term vision that you were just talking about? Like, are you going to expand elsewhere for more revenue or is it going to continue to focus in this area and you're just going to kind of hedge yourself so when it does drop, you have a little leeway? Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, those volume drops are definitely there for NFTs. I think that's also there for DeFi, fungible tokens, wide swaps of right. you know the crypto industry. For us, I think there's a couple of thoughts here, right? So number one, there is definitely just a good internal risk management and internal prudence. There is definitely a piece around just hey, managing the burn and all of this. And you know, we've been kind of hitting and actually overhitting all of our like finance uh, forecasts. So kind of had any issues there and. Yeah, feel very, very lucky and privileged to be in that position. And number two is just continuing to innovate, right? The space, despite all of the, the macro changes that has caused volumes to go down, actually, we think the pace of activity and demand is still super, super healthy. To give you two examples of that, you know, just last week, Sotheby's sold like 11 mil of NFTs and they sold like one piece for six mil, right? So 
the demand for digital goods is there. It's irrefutable. If it's still there in this type of market, it's going to be there in a different type of market condition as well. And from a Magic Eden perspective, another example would be like for BTC, our ecosystem, ecosystem went from zero to 250 mil traded in a space of a few months. And we've done about $200 million of trading in like three months. So all of that is in recognition that Hey, the demand for digital goods and digital ownership is still really there. And we imagine it should continue to innovate and take big, bold bets to grow into these new use cases and accommodate and support this kind of new innovation. And then the last thing I would say is, you know, we have some really long-term bets as well, right? So we've always been super interested in like NFTs with utility in gaming, where gaming has this huge mainstream use case, right? And digital ownership, digital goods, digital commerce, these are concepts very well understood in that industry already. And these are, you know, we're still making, continue to make really big investments and big pushes into gaming. And as an example, this year we were at GDC, which is like the premier gaming conference. And we were one of the only major NFT marketplaces there did a lot of partnership work with very elite like Web3 games like Azra, where, you know, the founders made like Star Wars games with millions and millions of users before, you know, whereas in that sense, we're still betting a lot for the long term where we think the bigger pie and the big opportunity is still yet to come. Yeah. yeah. Earlier this year, Magic Eden also extended support to launch Magic Eden games which is something you kind of just brought up now. So I guess what has been transpiring there and how do you see like the gaming ecosystem becoming a key part of your business model? How do you decide what games are featured there? I just have like a bunch of questions on that. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No worries. Yeah, so I think for gaming, the view on it is the market's very exciting. It's definitely going to be here, but it's still a little early as well. So we're trying to calibrate what is the right products to have within this state of the market. So to double click on a few of those like statements, number one, we see a very, very healthy creator pipeline into gaming. So we understand there is a lot of inbound interest and existing interest of Web3 gaming developers. And for us, that's always been a leading indicator that like the NFT ecosystem and industry is going to take off with the inflow of creator interest. And the inflow of interest and these creators, they are just getting like more and more credential in some ways, like raising more money with even more gaming production expertise and so on. That makes us super optimistic about the space. Nevertheless, the other piece to it is, yeah, gaming development just takes a long time. That industry is very different to like art NFTs where, you know, the production cycle can be a lot faster. So we just have to be a bit more, from our perspective, we're being a bit more disciplined and patient about thinking about when the best games are going to launch and what is the right product to launch for that stage of the market. As for Magic Eden right now, the thing that we're focusing on is really trying to help Web3 gamers and Web3 gaming curious folks discover these games because a lot of these games are not yet launched. And that's why we launched this product called the Magic Eden Gaming Hub, where you can follow news about Web3 games, check out certain leaderboards of things that's dropping soon, see commentary, and it's more of a discovery portal. And then once the games are live, we'll have some other products to help those users experience the utility of NFTs in those games. Do you think gaming will kind of be the opening door, so to speak, for mainstream audiences to get into Web3 and especially NFTs? I think it could be one of them. Yeah, I think we we definitely have that conviction. Whether it would be the only one or whether it would be the biggest one, it's really, really hard to say. I definitely feel that yeah, crypto has a way of like humbling like predictors, right? Like, you know, it always comes from this really weird esoteric thing and then it, it looks like a toy and then becomes really huge and that 
seems to be the story of crypto and you know from past precedents uh, logically and and from what we see we, we definitely think that gaming could be really really big but whether it would be the only thing or whether it would be the biggest thing we're not sure and of course the best case scenario would be like there is multiple pillars that is you know making web3 and crypto huge and that's actually just going to be better for all of us are there other use cases or sectors within crypto that you're keeping an eye on that would be kind of a propeller too, in addition to Web3 gaming? Yeah, I think there's a couple that, you know, we've always been pretty interested in just like having a look at, but haven't, it's not super close to our business. I think number one is, at least for the NFT use case, like something like ticketing Mm -hmm. uh, would make a lot of sense where, you know, there is already secondary markets for ticketing. The pricing is not very efficient, but then it's also a use case that's very easily understood when tickets could be applied. Another one is just social. And I think like different companies have had different cracks at trying to do Web3 social, but it's still a space that has a lot of white space to be explored. But, you know, we're very interested in apps like Lens, Protocol, Farcaster and stuff like that that have, you know, read new takes on like you know, how content and how people engage with each other in Web3, but then how like value from that content is distributed in a more equitable way. I think our thought would be that more and more people are flowing into Web3. There is more and more on-chain users. The data just shows that. And as more and more users flow into this ecosystem, of course, some of the behaviors that we always want, which is connect with each other, you know, communicate with each other, those needs will want to be manifested somehow. And you know, when there's enough of a big market there, we think, you know, very, very cool innovations will come along as well. All right. I also had another question for you, Jack, to shift gears a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. There was a time when royalty fees were all the hot gossip. <laughs> and that was what everyone was talking about, whether or not NFT should have them. Is it fair to creators? Is it better for platforms, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd argue that conversation has kind of died down. But as the reporter I am, I'd love to just follow up on that. Uh, where does Magic Eden stand on all of this? Do you think that it's an ever-changing position or that the NFT ecosystem will find its footing and stay there when it comes to royalty fees? Yeah, absolutely. Digging up the old controversial topics. <laughs> yeah, I just want to know. <laughs> no, fair enough, fair enough. So a couple of takes there. It's true that I think the topic today feels like it's died down, it's settled somewhat. And even, you know, Magic Eden, admittedly, we even had some controversial takes on this before, right? Where we were supporters of royalties, then we made a very controversial move to optional royalties. And actually, we were the, yeah, we were the first major marketplace to do that before OpenSea and before Blurred, uh, you know, launched on ETH. And we copped a lot of flat, admittedly. But I actually think, you know, looking back now, that was a, yeah, it was a very tough and controversial decision, but it actually turned out to be the right one in the sense of where the industry was moving. It was very hard to fight market forces and economic forces when underlying technology itself could not protect loyalties. So that's like one, I guess, reflection point on this piece. And even though it was controversial, we thought it was the right decision. I think it's been proven out. That being said, though, I think there's two things. Number one, we deeply still believe that supporting creators is absolutely critical to the ecosystem. And at least in Seoul, we see the rise of these smart contract enforced royalty solutions. So there is this thing called PNFTs. It's a new standard, new technological standard within Seoul that enforces royalties at the standard smart contract and protocol level. And Magic is a very proud supporter of that standard. And we partner with, you know, the publisher of that standard, Metaplex, to support it. And we're very proud to support creator monetization in that way. Secondly, we have always put a lot of thought and investment into one of our creator products, which is called Launchpad. Mm -hmm. And we were one of the first marketplaces to do that. 
on average, creators make around over $300,000 in revenue when they become a Launchpad customer with Magic Eden, supported over 500 creators. And, you know, we will continue to invest in those kind of products that give creator monetization opportunities to creators outside of royalties, outside of a royalties context. And we still want to support creators absolutely in that sense. And then the, you know, the last thing I would say is, you know, the book is still yet to be written on what's the best way to support creators and give them the monetization opportunity in NFTs. I think the beauty of NFTs and Web3 is it's like programmable, right? It's like a Lego block where you can code anything. It can as, be built upon. Yeah, you can, you can put something into software as far as your imagination can permit it. And we are still yet to see, I'm sure, you know, the best innovations are still yet to come for creators. So in that sense, we'll always be very excited to support the future there. Okay. Jack, to wrap things up, what is one word that you would use to describe Magic Eden or that you want it to be known for long term? I think one word would be bold. You know, despite everything within the, you know, the volatility of the crypto or NFT market, I think Magic Eden, we've never lost our DNA of being bold, right? Of trying to push the boundaries and of trying to test something new. So when new technologies come along, we would like to be at the forefront of trying them out, innovating on what the use case is, and then ultimately translating that into how to give users delight and give value. So yeah, we would love to be known as, as that company. Okay, great. And my last question that I always like to ask guests is, can you leave us with a piece of advice perhaps for NFT collections or something in that realm? Oh, so as in like for listeners in relation to NFT collections? Yes. I think just pick something that you like, you know? There's a lot of talk, I think, in this kind of market around trying to make money from NFTs and so on. But really the soul of the space and the spirit of what made it so interesting in the first place was it's about art, it's about culture, and it gives you this emotional resonance, right? That's a bit apart from like the financialization aspect of it, which is so common in crypto. So just pick something you like. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to have, you know, great prospects. But if you pick something you like, you know, you'll never feel like you were wrong. I like that. I think I feel the same way. You know, if I like a piece of art in my apartment, I'm always happy to look at it. So I think it could apply to NFTs too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, amazing, Jack. Thank you again for coming on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you for giving me the time. We'll be back next week with conversations around what's going on in the wild world of Web3 with top players in the crypto ecosystem. You can keep up with us on Spotify, Apple Music, or your favorite pod platform and subscribe to our companion newsletter, also called Chain Reaction. Links to the newsletter and stories we talked about can be found in our show notes. And be sure to follow us at Chain underscore Reaction on Twitter. Chain Reaction is hosted by myself, Jacqueline Melanick, and produced by Maggie Stamets, with assistance from Yashad Kulkarni and editing by Kel. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator, and Henry Picavet manages TechCrunch audio products. Thanks for listening in. See you next time. <laughs>